Section sixty seven of London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Peter Yearsley. The Street Folk, Part sixty seven of the duffers or hawkers of pretended smuggled goods of duffers and lumpers as regards the sale of textile fabrics there are generally i am informed about twenty in london at such times as epsom ascot heath or goodwood races however there is perhaps not one all have departed to prey if possible upon the countrymen eight of them are jews and the majority of the others are irishmen they are generally dressed as sailors, and some wear either fur caps or cloth ones with gilt bands round them, as if they were the mates or stewards of ships. They look out for any likely victim at public houses, and sometimes accost persons in the streets, first looking carefully about them, and hint that they are smugglers, and have the finest and cheapest ingy handkerchiefs ever seen. These goods are now sold in pieces of three handkerchiefs when times were better i was told they were in pieces of four five and six one street seller said to me yes i know the duffers all of them they do more business than you might think everybody likes a smuggled thing and i should say these men each of the duffers tops his one pound a week clear profit i am assured that one of the classes most numerously victimized is a body who generally account themselves pretty sharp namely gentlemen's grooms and coachmen at the several mews sailors are the best customers and the vicinity of the docks the best locality for this trade for the hawker of pretended smuggled goods always does most business among the tars the mock handkerchiefs are damped carefully with a fine sponge before they are offered for sale and they are often strongly perfumed some of the Jews supplying cheap perfumes or common scents. When the duffer thinks he may venture upon the assertion, he assures a customer that this is the smell the handkerchiefs brought with them from foreign parts, as they were smuggled in a bale of spices. The trade, however, is not without its hazards, for I am informed that the duffers sometimes on attempting their impositions imprudently and sometimes on being discovered before they can leave the house get soundly thrashed they have of course no remedy the pieces of three handkerchiefs sold by the duffers are purchased by them in houndsditch at from three shillings to seven shillings but seven shillings is only given when there is a design to palm off the three shilling goods along with them cent per cent is a low profit in this trade one intelligent street trader to whom i am indebted for carefully considered information said to me very quietly i've read your work sir at a coffee shop for i can't afford to take it in i know you're going to open the eyes of the public as to the duffer's tricks now all right sir they're in honest men's ways but sir when are you going to say something about the rich shopkeepers as sells and the rich manufacturers as makes the duffer's things every man of them knows it's for roguery there is a peculiar style among the duffers they never fold their goods neatly the same as drapers do but thrust them into the pack in a confused heap as if they did not understand their value or their business there are other classes of duffers whose calling is rather more hazardous than the licensed hawker duffer i have often thought it strange says a correspondent 
that these men could induce any one to credit the fact of their being sailors for notwithstanding the showy manner in which they chew their quid and the jack-tar-like fashion in which they suffer their whiskers to grow there is such a fresh-waterfied appearance about them that they look no more like a regular mariner than the supernumerary seamen in a nautical drama at the victoria theatre yet they obtain victims readily their mode of proceeding in the streets is to accost their intended dupes while walking by their side they usually speak in a half whisper as they keep pace with them and look mysteriously around to see if there be any of them ere custom-house sharks afloat they address the simple-looking passers-by thus shipmate here they take off their fur cap and spit their quid into it shipmate i've just come ashore after a long voyage and splice me but i've something in the locker that'll be of service to you and shiver my timbers they are very profuse in nautical terms you shall have it at your own price for i'm determined to have a spree and i haven't a shot in the locker helms a lee just let's turn into this creek and i'll show you what it is perhaps he persuades his dupe down a court or to a neighbouring public-house now here is a beautiful piece of ingy handkerchiefs note they are the coarsest description of spun not thrown silk well stiffened into stoutness and cost the duffer perhaps fifteen pence each but as business is always done on the sly in a hurry and to escape observation and examination seldom or never takes place End note. i got em on shore in spite of those pirates the custom-house officers you shall have em cheap there's half a dozen on em they cost me thirty shillings at madras you shall have em for the same money the victim maybe is not inclined to purchase the pretended tar however must have money will you give me twenty-five shillings for them he says d blank n it a pound shiver my topsails you don't want them any cheaper than that do you the duffer says this to make his dupe believe that he really does want the goods or has offered a price for them perhaps if the duffer cannot extort more he takes ten shillings for the half dozen ingy handkerchiefs the profit being thus about two shillings and sixpence but more frequently he gets one hundred and even two hundred per cent on his transactions according to the gullibility of his customers the duffer deals also in cigars he accosts his victim in the same style as when selling handkerchiefs and gives himself the same sailor-like airs sometimes the duffers visit the obscure streets in london where there are small chandler's shops one of them enters leaving his mate outside to give him the signal in case the enemy heaves in sight he requests to be served with some trifling article when if he approve of the physiognomy of the shopkeeper and consider him or her likely to be victimized he ventures an observation as to how enormously everything is taxed though to one less innocent it might appear unusual for a sailor to talk politics even this here baccy he says taking out his quid i can't chew without paying a tax but he adds chuckling us sailor chaps sometimes shirks the custom-house lubbers sharp as they are here his companion outside puts his head in at the door and to make the scene as natural as possible says come jack don't stop there all night spinning your yarns come bear a hand or i shall part convoy oh heave to a bit longer my hearty replies the duffer i'll be with you in the twinkling of a marling spike i'll tell you what you've got ma'am and if you likes to buy it you shall have it cheap for me and my mate are both short of rhino we've half a dozen pounds of tea you can weigh it if you like and you shall have the lot for twelve shillings 
perhaps there is an immediate purchase but if twelve shillings is refused then ten shillings eight shillings or six shillings is asked until a sale be effected after which the sailors make their exit as quickly as possible then the chandler's shopkeeper begins to exult over the bargain he or she has made and to examine more minutely the contents of the neatly packaged and tea-like looking packet thus bought it proves to be lined with a profuse quantity of tea lead and although some chinese characters are marked on the outside it is discovered on opening to contain only half a pound of tea the remainder consisting principally of chopped hay the duffers enact the same part and if a purchaser buy ten pounds of the smuggled article then nine pounds at least consist of the same chopped hay sometimes the duffers sell all their stock to one individual no sooner do they dispose of the handkerchiefs to a dupe than they introduce the smuggled tobacco to the notice of the unsuspecting customer then they palm off their cigars next their tea and lastly as the duffer is determined to raise as much money as he can to have his spree why d blank e he exclaims to his victim i'll sell you my watch it cost me six pound at portsmouth give me three pounds for it and it's yours shipmate well then two pounds one pound the watch i need not state is made solely for sale it is really astonishing adds my informant how these men ever succeed for their look denotes cunning and imposition and their proceedings have been so often exposed in the newspapers that numbers are alive to their tricks and warn others when they perceive the duffers endeavouring to victimise them but as the thimble men say there's a fool born every minute of the street sellers of small wear or tape cotton etc the street sellers of tape and cotton are usually elderly females and during my former inquiry i was directed to one who had been getting her living in the street by such means for nine years i was given to understand that the poor woman was in deep distress and that she had long been supporting a sick husband by her little trade but i was wholly unprepared for a scene of such startling misery sublimed by untiring affection and pious resignation as i there discovered i wish the reader to understand that i do not cite this case as a type of the sufferings of this particular class but rather as an illustration of the afflictions which frequently befall those who are solely dependent on their labour or their little trade for their subsistence and who from the smallness of their earnings are unable to lay by even the least trifle as a fund against any physical calamity the poor creatures lived in one of the close alleys at the east end of london on inquiring at the house to which i had been directed i was told i should find them in the two pair back i mounted the stairs and on opening the door of the apartment i was terrified with the misery before me there on a wretched bed lay an aged man in almost the last extremity of life at first i thought the poor old creature was really dead but a tremble of the eyelids as i closed the door as noiselessly as i could told me that he breathed his face was as yellow as clay and it had more the cold damp look of a corpse than that of a living man his cheeks were hollowed in with evident want his temples sunk and his nostrils pinched close on the edge of the bed sat his heroic wife giving him drink with a spoon from a teacup 
in one corner of the room stood the basket of tapes cottons combs braces nutmeg graters and shaving glasses with which she strove to keep her old dying husband from the workhouse i asked her how long her good man had been ill and she told me he had been confined to his bed five weeks last wednesday and that it was ten weeks since he had eaten the size of a nut in solid food nothing but a little beef tea had passed his lips for months we have lived like children together said the old woman as her eyes flooded with tears and never had no dispute he hated drink and there was no cause for us to quarrel one of my legs you see is shorter than the other said she rising from the bedside and showing me that her right foot was several inches from the ground as she stood my hip is out i used to go out washing and walking in my patterns i fell down my hip is out of the socket three-quarters of an inch and the sinews is drawn up i'm obliged to walk with a stick here the man groaned and coughed so that i feared the exertion must end his life ah oh, the heart of a stone would pity that poor fellow said the good wife after i put my hip out i couldn't get my living as i'd been used to do i couldn't stand a day if i had five hundred pounds for it i must sit down so i got a little stall and sat at the end of the alley here with a few laces and tapes and things i've done so for this nine year past and seen many a landlord come in and go out of the house that i sat at my husband used to sell small articles in the streets black lead and furniture paste and blacking we got a sort of living by this the two of us together it's very seldom though we had a bit of meat we had one shilling and ninepence rent to pay come my poor fellow will you have another little drop to wet your mouth said the woman breaking off come my dearest let me give you this she added as the man let his jaw fall and she poured some warm sugar and water flavoured with cinnamon all she had to give him into his mouth he's been an ailing man this many a year he used to go of errands and buy my little things for me on account of my being lame we assisted one another you see he wasn't able to work for his living and i wasn't able to go about so he used to go about and buy for me what i sold i am sure he never earned above one shilling and sixpence in the week he used to attend me and many a time i've sat for ten and fourteen hours in the cold and wet and didn't take a sixpence some days i'd make a shilling and some days less but whatever i got i used to have to put a good part into the basket to keep my little stock note a knock here came to the door it was for a halfpenny worth of darning cotton End note. you know a shilling goes further with a poor couple that's sober than two shillings does with a drunkard we lived poor you see never had nothing but tea or we couldn't have done anyhow if i'd taken eighteen pence in a day i'd think i was grandly off and then if there was sixpence profit got out of that it would be almost as much as it would you see these cotton braces here said the old woman going to her tray well i gives two shilling and ninepence a dozen for them here and i sells them for fourpence halfpenny and oftentimes fourpence a pair now this piece of tape would cost me seven farthings in the shop and i sells it at six yards a penny it has the name of being eighteen yards the profit out of it is five farthings it's beyond the power of man to wonder how there's a bit of bread got out of such a small way and the times is so bad too i think i could say i get eightpence a day profit if i have any sort of custom but i don't exceed that at the best of times i've often sat at the end of the alley and taken only sixpence and that's not much more than tuppence clear it ain't threepence i'm sure 
i think i could safely state that for the last nine year me and my husband has earned together five shillings a week and out of that the two of us had to live and pay rent one shilling and ninepence a week clothes i could buy none for the best garment is on me but i thank the lord still i've paid my rent all but three weeks and that isn't due till to-morrow we have often reckoned it up here at the fire some weeks we've got five shillings and threepence and some weeks less so that i judge we have had about three shillings to three shillings and sixpence a week to live upon the two of us for this nine year past half a hundred of coals would fit me the week in the depth of winter my husband had the kettle always boiling for me against i came in he used to sit here reading his book he never was fit for work at the best while i used to be out minding the basket he was so sober and quiet too his neighbours will tell that of him within the last ten weeks he's been very ill indeed but still i could be out with the basket since then he's never earned me a penny poor old soul he wasn't able all that time i still attended to my basket he wasn't so ill then but what he could do a little here in the room for himself but he wanted little god knows for he couldn't eat after he fell ill i had to go all my errands myself i had no one to help me for i'd nothing to pay them and i'd have to walk from here down to sun street with my stick till my bad leg pained me so that i could hardly stand you see the hip being put out has drawn all the sinews up into my groin and it leaves me incapable of walking or standing constantly but i thank god that i've got the use of it anyhow our lot's hard enough goodness knows but we are content we never complain but bless the lord for the little he pleases to give us when i was away on my errands in course i couldn't be minding my basket so i lost a good bit of money that way well five weeks on wednesday he has been totally confined to his bed except when i lifted him up to make it some nights but he can't bear that now still the first fortnight he was bad i did manage to leave him and earn a few pence but latterly for this last three weeks i haven't been able to go out at all to do anything she's been stopping by me minding me here night and day all that time mumbled the old man who now for the first time opened his grey glassy eyes and turned towards me to bear as it were a last tribute to his wife's incessant affection she has been most kind to me her tenderness and care has been such that man never knew from woman before ever since i lay upon this sick-bed we've been married five-and-twenty years we have always lived happily very happily indeed together until sickness and weakness overcame me i always strove to help myself a bit as well as i could but since then she has done all in her power for me worked for me ay she has worked for me surely and watched over me my creed through life has been repentance towards god faith in jesus christ and love to all my brethren i've made up my mind that i must soon change this tabernacle and my last wish is that the good people of this world will increase her little stock for her she cannot get her living out of the little stock she has and since i lay here it's so lessened that neither she nor no one else can live upon it if the kind hearts would give her but a little stock more it would keep her old age from want as she has kept mine indeed indeed she does deserve it but the lord i know will reward her for all she has done to me here the old man's eyelids dropped exhausted i've had a shilling and a loaf twice from the parish continued the woman the overseer came to see if my old man was fit to be removed to the workhouse the doctor gave me a certificate that he was not and then the relieving officer gave me a shilling and a loaf of bread 
and out of that shilling i bought the poor old fellow a sup of port wine i bought a quartern of wine which was fourpence and i gave fivepence for a bit of tea and sugar and i gave tuppence for coals a halfpenny rushlight i bought and a short candle that made a penny and that's the way i laid out the shilling if god takes him i know he'll sleep in heaven i know the life he's spent and i'm not afraid but no one else shall take him from me nothing shall part us but death in this world poor old soul he can't be long with me he's a perfect skeleton his bones are starting through his skin i asked what could be done for her and the old man thrust forth his skinny arm and laying hold of the bedpost he raised himself slightly in his bed as he murmured if she could be got into a little parlour and away from sitting in the streets it would be the saving of her and so saying he fell back overcome with the exertion and breathed heavily the woman sat down beside me and went on what shocked him most was that i was obligated in his old age to go and ask for relief at the parish you see he was always a spiritful man and it hurted him sorely that he should come to this at last and for the first time in his lifetime the only parish money that ever we had was this and it does hurt him every day to think that he must be buried by the parish after all he was always proud you see i told the kind-hearted old dame that some benevolent people had placed certain funds at my disposal for the relief of such distress as hers and i assured her that neither she nor her husband should want for anything that might ease their sufferings the day after the above was written the poor old man died he was buried out of the funds sent to the morning chronicle and his wife received some few pounds to increase her stock but in a few months the poor old woman went mad and is now i believe the inmate of one of the pauper lunatic asylums of the street sellers of lace this trade is carried on both by itinerants and at stands or pitches the itinerants of whom i will first treat are about forty in number thirty women and ten men they usually carry their lace in boxes or cases it is not uncommon for the women to represent themselves as lace-makers from marlow or some other place in buckinghamshire or from honiton in devonshire while the men assert they are from nottingham i am informed that there are among these itinerant lace-sellers two women and one man who really have been lace-makers they all buy their wares at the haberdashery swag-shops the lace which is the principal staple of this trade is edgings or the several kinds of cheap lace used for the bordering of caps and other female requirements among street people the lace is called driz and the sellers of it driz fencers it gained this slang name i was informed many years ago when it was sold and often to wealthy ladies as rare and valuable lace smuggled from mechlin brussels valenciennes or any foreign place famous or once famous for its manufacture the pretended smuggled lace trade is now unknown in london and is very little practised in the country there is however still some smuggling connected with lace selling two and sometimes three female lace sellers are also jigger workers they carry about their persons pint bladders of stuff or jigger stuff spirit made at an illicit still i used to supply them with it until lately one street trader told me from a friend that kept a jigger and a tidy sale some of them had indeed i've made the stuff myself i knew one woman six or seven years back 
that did uncommon well at first but she got too fond of the stuff and drank herself into the workhouse they never carried gin for brandy was most asked for they sold the brandy at two shillings and sixpence the pint rum at one shilling and sixpence and whisky at two shillings sometimes higher and always trying for sixpence a pint profit at least oh yes sir i know they got the prices i've mentioned though they seem high for you must remember that the jigger spirit is above proof and a pint will make two pints of gin palace stuff they sold it i've heard them say to ladies that like to drop on the sly and to some as pretended they bought that way for economy yes and to shopkeepers and publicans too one old lady used to give three shillings for three yards of driz and it was well enough understood without no words that a pint of brandy was part of them three yards but the trade that way is nothing to what it was and gets less and less every year from a middle-aged woman selling laces i had the following account i've been in the trade about six years sir ten years back or more i was in place and saved a little money as a servant of all work i married a house painter but trade got bad and we both had illnesses and my husband though he's as good a man as need be can't stick to anything very long at a time note a very common failing by the by with the street folk End note. it seems not in his nature when we was reduced very low he got on a cab for he can turn his hand to almost anything and after that we came to street selling he's now on jewellery and i think it suits him as well or better than anything he's tried i do my part and we gets on middling if we're ever pushed it's no use fretting we had one child and he died when he wanted just a month of three years old and after i'd lost him i said i would never fret for trifles no more my heart was broke for a long time it was indeed he was the loveliest boy ever seen and everybody said so i went into lace because my husband got to know all about it and i had no tie at home then i was very shy and ashamed at first to go into houses but that wears off and i met with some nice people that bought of me and was very civil so that encourages one i sell nothing but lace i never cleared more than two shillings and sixpence in a day and that only once i suppose i clear from three shillings and sixpence to four shillings and sixpence a week now perhaps take it altogether rather more than four shillings i have a connection and go to the houses in and about the regent's park and all the small streets near it and sometimes made a hill way i once tried a little millinery made up things but it didn't suit somehow and i didn't stick to it you see sir i sell my lace to very few but servant maids and small shopkeepers wives and daughters but then there are better sort of people than those as has to buy everything ready-made like servants has they can use their own needles to make themselves nice and smart and they buy of such as me to do it cheap and they're not often such beaters down as them that buys the ready-made i can do nothing or next to nothing in very wet weather if i'm in the habit of going into a nice kitchen perhaps the housemaid flies at me for bringing in all that dirt my husband says all women is crossest in bad weather and perhaps servants is i buy my lace near shoreditch it's a long walk but i think i'm best used there i buy generally a dozen yards from threepence halfpenny to one shilling and sometimes up to two shillings i sell the commoner at one penny a yard and three yards twopence and the better at twopence and threepence a yard it's a poor trade but it's doing something my husband seldom earns less than twelve shillings a week for he's a good salesman and so we pay two shillings rent regular every monday for an unfurnished room and has the rest to live on i've sold in the brill on a saturday night but not often nor lately i don't like it 
I haven't tongue enough. In addition to the itinerants, there are about seventy stationary lace sellers, and not less than eighty on the Saturday evenings. The best pitches are, I am told, near the Borough Market, in Clare Market, the New Cut on Saturday nights, Walworth Road, Tooley Street, and Dockhead, Bermondsey. From the best information at my command, it appears that at least half of these traders sell only lace, or rarely anything else. The others sell also net for making caps and calls, which are the plain portion at the back, to be trimmed or edged according to the purchaser's taste. Some sell also with their lace cap ribbons, plain or worked collars, and muslin net or worked undersleeves. Braid and gimp were formerly sold by them, but are now in no demand. The prices run from twopence to sixpence for lace articles, and about the same for net and so on per yard. The lowest priced are most sold. In this stationary trade are as many men and youths as women and girls. One woman who had known street selling for upwards of twenty years said she could not do half so well now as she could twenty years ago. For the cheaper things got, the cheaper people would have them. Why, twenty year ago, she exclaimed, I bought a lot of lino cheap. It was just about going out of fashion for caps then, I think, and one Saturday night in the cut I cleared fifteen shillings on it. I don't clear that in a fortnight now. I have sold to women of the town, as far as I've known them to be of that sort, but very seldom. It's not often you'll catch them using a needle for themselves. They do use their needles, I know. You can see some of them sewing at their doors and windows in Granby Street, Waterloo Road, or could lately, for I haven't passed that way for some time, but I believe it's all for money down for the slop shops. It suits the slop shops to get work cheap anyway, and it suits the women to have some sort of occupation which they needn't depend upon for their living. The stationary lace sellers, for the most part, display their goods on stalls, but some spread them on a board or on matting on the ground. Some of the men gather an audience by shouting out, Three yards a penny, edging! As at this rate the lace-seller would only clear a halfpenny in a dozen yards, the cry is merely uttered to attract attention. A few who patter at the trade, but far fewer than was once the case, give short measure. One man who occasionally sold lace told me that when he was compelled to sell for next to no profit and a hungry Sunday coming, he gave good shop measure thirty full inches to a yard. His yard wand was the correct length. But I can do it, sir, he said with some exultation, by palming. And he gave a jerk to his fingers to show how he caught in the lace and clipped it short. Calculating that one hundred persons in this trade each take ten shillings and sixpence weekly, the profit being about cent per cent, we find two thousand seven hundred and thirty pounds expended in the streets in lace and similar commodities. End of section sixty seven.